Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, I'm honestly just feeling super refreshed. This is the first episode of 2021, and I'm just happy to start off with such an amazing guest. Hannah Brencher is my guest today, and she is a powerhouse advocate, TED speaker, and entrepreneur. She is the founder of The World Needs More Love Letters, a global community dedicated to sending love letter bundles to anyone who needs encouragement. You may have seen her on the White House's Women Working to Do Good list, or maybe even seen her featured on the Wall Street Journal, Oprah, Glamour, USA Today, and so many more places. She has a new book coming out today called Fighting Forward, Your Nitty Gritty Guide to Beating the Lies That Hold You Back. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is my interview with Miss Hannah Brencher. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. It's like, (laughs) I don't think I've had anyone that goes to my church show up on the podcast yet. So this is fun. I'm honored to be your first. (laughs) Yes. So like I mentioned in the intro, you have a new book called Fighting Forward coming out. I want to talk a little bit about that to get this started before we go into your story and what God's doing through your amazing ministry and where you started. Um, I've personally been able to dig through the first few chapters of the book and I can't put it down. I started it yesterday and I'm already on chapter six. So I'm super pumped. That. So yeah, what started this whole book journey for you? Well, so this is my third book and the one that I'm I'm really excited for it because I feel like this is the first book that doesn't have like a chronological story from start to finish. I really wanted to write the book so that the the chapters would be really short, but also that you wouldn't have to read chapter six to get something out of chapter seven, or you yeah. wouldn't have to, there's no like overarching storyline. It is so much more focused on just the reader and this idea that I think every single one of us encounters a time in our lives where we want to move forward, but we don't know how. We feel paralyzed by fear, by lies. And even that idea of moving forward isn't accurate. You're not really moving. You're not even walking. You're certainly not running. And so that's where that idea of fighting forward comes comes from, you know? And I think it's twofold. For me, it's this idea of like, we do have to show up for this fight called life. And it is very much a fight. But at the same time, our God fights for us. And he is a God who at the times where we're too weak and we can't do it. He's the one that says you need only to be still because like, I've got you. And so it's a book just filled with what I like to call power packed essays and anthems to keep you moving forward. I love that power packed anthems and essays. Such a good way to put it. Um, you took a mental health approach with this book. You talk about anxiety and depression. Is that something that you've struggled with yourself? It is. Yes. Um, it has been a, a pretty significant part of my story, especially the depression. Mm. And I think that none of us are strangers to the way in which the statistics show that just anxiety and depression are just rampant, especially for our generation. Um, And so for me personally, I dealt with depression for the first time in 2010. And then I thought that depression was like the chicken pox, like you have it once and you'll never have it again. I had no idea that the statistic is actually, if you've had it once, there is an 80% chance likelihood that you will go through it again. And so in 2014, I 
went through a severe depression that just, I mean, it almost took me out. It was the fight for my life. And I learned so much and gained so much during that time. I'm very passionate about talking about depression specifically because I think that what I learned out of that depression is how to build a life made up of discipline and consistency and habits. And that's something we don't talk about a lot in daily life, right? Like we like to talk about like the arrival point or like the overnight success when in actuality, it is about showing up to your life daily and building it brick by brick. And so I'm very passionate about telling our generation about building for the long haul. Yeah, me too. Come on. It's it's one of those things where when you try to explain mental health and depression to someone that's never experienced it, mm-hmm. it could be a very touchy conversation just because, um, especially with the older generation. And if you're in the older generation, I'm probably not talking about you if you're listening to the show. Um, but it comes down to like, are you willing to educate yourself? So we have so many pastors and leaders that have never struggled with anxiety or depression. So they try to discount it and write it off as something we don't need to talk about. But more people have died by suicide during this pandemic than COVID. So it's a big issue that needs to be talked about. And for me as a guy, like guys don't talk about it as much, unfortunately. And that's where I want to come into play is like, okay, I struggle with this. Um, Mm. Let's break down that wall of toxic masculinity and actually have these conversations about depression and anxiety and fighting fear, just like you're talking about fighting forward. It's such a needed conversation to be had. And you're kind of leading the forefront on that. And I'm still just in shock that like the timeliness of this book People are going to get it at the beginning of 2021. And it's almost like everybody's looking at 2021 like this fresh start. But I mean, I pray it's a fresh start. But you even talk about this a little bit in your book. Just because it's a new year doesn't mean anything. It's not like the clock is. I mean, the calendar is going to reset to a new year, but it's not like you're going to wake up with this motivation that you never had. But what are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%. I mean, I used to be somebody who was like, love the new year so much, set every resolution in the book because something about midnight is going to change me into a new person, you know, yeah. and that that is not the reality. And yeah. I still think that new year can be a really beautiful time. I mm-hmm. always say it's like one of my favorite holidays because I definitely feel like It's kind of beautiful to think that for at least 48 hours, almost everyone (laughs) thinks that they have the capacity to change. And I just find that to be beautiful. But I definitely feel it, especially in this year. You know, we've gone through really hard, unprecedented circumstances in 2020. And I think, yeah, great, a new year, but it does not necessarily mean that anything is going to be any bit different. Uh, Our circumstances around us might look very much the same, and we have to prepare for that and be ready for that. And that's where I'm passionate about this idea of like, you don't need to wait until December 31st to change. You can start changing right now, but usually change does not come with like, the strike of a clock, it says, okay, like I'm going to pick an area or I'm going to pick something I said I wanted to do. And I'm going to build small, but just sustainable 
discipline that is going to garner that actual change. And that's something that I feel like our generation doesn't like to talk about a lot. Like, you know, especially with the uprise of social media, Instagram, TikTok, it's like you can go viral overnight, but like anything that's actually worth fighting for and living for a lot of times happens behind the scenes. It's not something anybody's ever going to applaud you for, you know, like I think about where I was when that depression hit and by every standard, you could say that I was killing it. You know, I had just given a Ted talk and I had gotten a book deal. I was traveling around the country, speaking at all kinds of conferences. I had everything that people said I should want and it didn't fill me. It didn't make it any bit better or easier to live my life. In a lot of ways, it made me feel more empty inside because it's lonely the more that you get up to a certain standard where people kind of admire you, you know? So I almost feel like in a lot of ways, God allowed me to get a large amount of success in a very short amount of time just to show me like, it's not there. Like go and tell the others that it's not there because the things that actually have sustained me and given me joy and are the reason I show up to live my life every single day are they're daily. They are the things that no one sees. They're investing in the secret hours. They're actually putting your head down and doing the work, not just talking about it. Like that is the stuff that makes me feel the most alive. I love that so much. And I love that you hit on we live in this kind of a microwave society. Everybody wants Mm -hmm. their instant cup of coffee, but they have a Starbucks taste bud going on. Um, I I would love to hear how you started The World Needs More Love Letters. Um, I know in your TED Talk, you carried your um, mail like uh, basket with you. And yes. I I still think it's pretty cool that we have the OG post office queen on here today. So shout out to you for that. <laughs> it's great. Um, but a lot of people hear, wow, the world needs more love letters. And they're like, oh, that's cute. She probably has a team writing them. But all actuality, you wrote, what was it, 400 the first year? I did. Yeah. So I definitely never expected this idea to go viral, take on a life of its own, like allow me to go full time with it. None of that. Um, I just was somebody who was dealing with depression in New York City. And in order to cope, I would write these letters to people that I would see on the streets and I would leave them around New York city for people to find. And that led to me writing on my blog about the fact that I was writing these love letters. And I told anybody, like, if you need a love letter for whatever reason, like I'll write to you. And I thought I'd get a few requests. I had no idea I was going to spend the next nine months writing 400 letters to strangers. Um, And again, not what you think it was, because I think people look at that and they're like, wow, that's amazing. Like, wow, you must have felt so much purpose. And you were like a modern day Julia. And it was none of that. It it was none of that at all. Like it was fun, maybe for like the first 50 letters, maybe 100. I'll give it that. But then you get to this point where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I knew in the deep of me, if I wanted to do if I wanted to be anything in this lifetime, I wanted to be the kind of person that follows through on a promise that does what they say that they're going to do. And so I kept writing. And when I finished, I was ready to be done. That was it. But everybody around me was like, no, 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 
there's more to this story. Like this story does not stop with you. And so that was where I just kind of decided I would build a little website and I'd put it out there and I would just see what it looked like to take this idea that had helped me so much and give it to other people. And so one of the things that we do with the world needs more love letters is we create what is called love letter bundles and anybody can nominate a friend, a family member on our website and we'll pick five to six stories that we'll put up online every month. And you can read somebody's story and you can mail in a letter, handwritten letter to somebody. And that person gets anywhere from 300 to 600 to 1200 letters showing up for them on a day where they think no one is going to see them. No one is going to acknowledge them. Um, And so, yeah, I think at first glance, you can totally look at this and be like, that's cute. That's sweet. You know, like I sometimes battle with that fear of like, oh my gosh, this cute, sweet idea. And like, here I am in my early thirties. But at the same time, like anybody that's involved in this, like they know the depth of it. They know that for me, it's not about letters. It is not about stamps and stationery. I honestly don't even like letter writing that much. (laughs) What it's about for me is this idea that like letter writing is a vehicle towards the mission that actually matters. And that is connection and presence and actually showing up in a world that's really good at talking about showing up, but not actually doing it, you know? And I think especially here, like coming off of 2020, like there's so much isolation. There's so much loneliness. We have an entire generation of people who grew up by way of letter writing in assisted living homes where they've not been able to see friends or family for the entire year. And so now more than ever, the mission just feels really important and pertinent and timeless to write here. Yeah. And I I have a clothing brand and for every single order, I was like, I'm going to do a handwritten letter for each and every single order just because Mm -hmm. I got a handwritten letter in the mail. And I was like, there's so much power to that. And I this year, I've probably written 300 letters. And like today, even I was packing orders and I was like, Like, I don't want to do this right now. Like, <laughs> I I think I wrote 10 and I was like, okay, I'm going to stop for the day because I just can't, I can't bring myself to write another one. I don't want to write a meaningless letter, but yeah. there's so much power that just comes in a little handwritten letter. And the one thing I challenge myself on, and I don't know if you can relate with this or not, is like, I want it to be so unique that no one letter, like none of them are the same. <laughs> It's I'm so like, sorry. No, me. bless you. <laughs> it's like, like I don't. I don't want people to get the exact same letter. I want it to be yeah. like I'm gonna pray that God mm-hmm. shows me like, oh, they're struggling with insecurity or anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, whatever it may be. Maybe loneliness. I don't know. But no one letter is gonna be the same ever. Mm-hmm. And there's that. not gonna be a template. It's not a promotional material. It's literally just if my clothing brand's mission is to tell people that fear is a liar, overcome their anxiety, depression and you're stronger than your Mm -hmm. symptoms, how can we rally that forward? How can I be that one person that's like, it's unique to take time out to write that. And then I heard about you and I'm like, there's a whole world of people out here that still Mm. like writing letters. And it's so beautiful because I didn't really write a letter until I would say this year. Like, uh, really? uh, Forever? 
no for as an adult and i'm 23 so it's not like i'm like super old or anything but it's like i've just never had it's like email and text but it's not as fulfilling and i know that from a personal experience it's so much more personable and it's vulnerable because it's your handwriting you're not hiding behind a graphic or a Mm -hmm. a you're not editing it no no it's like oops and i make it a point if i mess up on something i'll just exit out put a smiley face over it it's funny to me Yeah, no, I think you should. I don't think, I think that's the essence of letters. And that's what I think is kind of escaping our society. It's this like, we're all filtered to perfection in a way. And, you know, like letter writing, it's like, I have a pen pal um, who's in the prison system in Texas and I literally wait. It makes my day to get a letter from her every few weeks. And you like when I write these letters, like she will send me like 16 pages of notebook page. And like, I try to match her. I probably only get to like eight or so, but even (laughs) then it's like, if you make a mistake, you are just going to cross it out and keep going because like you've invested at this point. And there, there are so many studies out there that actually say that the actual like process of handwriting it it brings up and stirs up emotions that texts don't, that emails don't. It's the same thing with like the power of like journaling. That's why people say like journaling is so powerful is that something actually happens. Your mind actually starts to change as you write things down. And so that was science I did not know before starting all of this, but you become like a quote unquote expert in these areas, even though you're just kind of like, I know the social media side of things, you know, (laughs) and then all of a sudden I'm like queen of the postal service. Let's go. I love it. Now, (laughs) one thing I found really cool is you dedicated this book to your daughter. Is it Novi? Mm -hmm. Novi. That's such a, that's such a beautiful name. It's unique. I love it. Well, you want to know crazy story about that? I do. Her name is actually, so it's Novali, but we call her Novi. But what's so funny about it is that when I was growing up, I loved this book that they turned into a movie called Where the Heart Is. And it's like literally Natalie Portman is in it. And she, her name is Novali Nation and she is homeless and like lives in a Walmart. Like, and she's like homeless and she lives in Walmart. So like when the store closes at night, she just stays in the Walmart and like lives there and she ends up getting pregnant and having a baby in Walmart. And I don't know why as like a 10 year old kid, I loved this movie so much, but I always wanted to name a baby Novali. And so like, I, when people ask me about it, I'm always like, yeah, there's really like not that much significance to it. You know, like, it's not like I have this super spiritual name, you know, when people are like, oh, what does that mean? Like, where can I find that in the Bible? Um, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. So I had a friend though, who reached out to me and she was like, Hey, like, I know where you got the name Novali from. Like, I know you got it from that book, but I don't know if you knew this, but Nova means new and Lee means pathway or clearing in the woods, which I was like, what? So like my daughter's name literally means new clearing in the woods, which for somebody who dedicates their life to helping people come out of the woods, like that is just like, so God, not anything I could have orchestrated. (laughs) Speak that into existence. Now you dedicated the book to your daughter who's right now just a few months old Mm -hmm. when she needs it. What do you want to tell her about the importance of fighting forward? 
Well, I know she's going to reach a point and a juncture where she's going to need that hope and that encouragement. And throughout the whole process of writing the book, I just, I had a little post-it note that was like right in front of my desk that was, that just said, what would you tell your daughter? Because I think if I could dig to that place of like, this is my daughter, I can go deeper than if I don't know the person at all. Right. In the same way, when, when people are writing letters, I'm like, ask yourself what you would tell your best friend. I'm like, don't hold back on saying that to someone you don't know. That might be the words that they need. And so for her, I mean, that book is full to the brim of things that I would tell her. And yeah, I think more than anything, I think the most important thing is that you do continue to get up and show up, even though fear is going to try to tell you like, hey, set this one out. Fear is going to try to convince you that you're benched, that you're on the sidelines, that God doesn't see you. And I've never honestly gotten to the place where I've not experienced fear you know, like I've never been fearless, even though it, it says all over the Bible, fear not, don't be afraid. I can't honestly say that I have perfected that. But I do know, though, that even in the face of fear, I am going to move forward anyway. It's not going to stop me. It's not going to change the outcome. And so I would want her to know that just because you feel the fear doesn't mean that you shouldn't step forward, doesn't mean that you shouldn't go for that thing because a lot of times that fear is an indicator that there's something good on the other side that you need to break through to get to. Yeah. And one of the things I have to tell myself repeatedly is like, okay, if I'm having a panic attack about something specific, it probably means that I care about it. So Mm -hmm. it's almost as a love indicator for me now. And I went through EDMR therapy and found a medication that worked for me because I had completely let fear take over my life. Um, Mm -hmm. When I graduated high school in 2016, I, before that I was on tour speaking and interning with a really cool organization. And so I was quote unquote doing what I thought I wanted to do at the time, but I let anxiety overtake me. I had my first panic attack and flew home and said I was never going to get back on a stage again, get on a bus, anything like that. I was done with it. Like I wrote that the end of that chapter, slapped the book closed and didn't want to open it back. Um, Mm. So I started working for um, AT&T and became really successful with that. And on the outside, being a 19 year old, buying a house, all of these fun things that everybody's like, oh, he's got it all together. I I was falling apart on the inside. I was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was so depressed. I hated life. And God broke helped me break through that. He helped wow. me fight forward. And yeah. so here we are today and it's like, okay, how can I be that person that writes that love letter to let somebody else know that they're stronger than their symptoms. They don't have to let these mm. things hold them down. How can I help them press forward? And that's exactly what you're doing. So one of the key things for me overcoming like anxiety and depression and even still struggling to this day, um, the keys for fighting towards it is fighting daily. But yeah. a lot of it came from rest and developing habits daily that help me out a ton. Um, do you find daily habits to help you at all with your mental health and fighting forward? I mean, that is how my whole entire life operates. Like it is all daily habits and rhythms and things that obviously there's no perfect day. You know, there are days where I hit it all and days where I don't, but I have these benchmarks and I have these um, 
like these pillars in my day that are going to indicate that I am taking care of myself. And so that looks like getting a sweat session in. That looks like um, eating foods that fuel my body and give me energy as opposed to just grabbing whatever is there or available to me. Um, One of the big ones is being in the word of God. Um, There are definitely days where you don't feel like it, or you feel like you don't have time for it, but it's so essential and necessary to show up in the areas that I need to show up in. Um, Another big one for me is boundaries when it comes to my phone, not always being plugged in, not always being turned on because it will It'll hinder my work. It will hinder my mind. I think that, so I think that's honestly the reason why so many people are struggling with anxiety and depression is that we are way too hooked up to our phones. It's just a a matter of life, you know, like, and I, I'm learning it or seeing it more with like, you know, having a daughter who's eight months old and like, she sees us on our phone. She knows how important phones are. And there's no way around that. Like, I don't even feel like I need to shield her from that because it's just reality of what it's going to be. But like, at the same time, I don't want her to think that like, this is the end all be all, or this is the reason why we don't pay attention to one another. Have you found yourself utilizing the screen time? things on the iPhone? I do. Yeah. I utilize the screen time and I actually have like the passcode set up. So it's like, if you hit a limit on the app, it will lock you out. And the key is though, because for a long time I set up my passcode and then I just bypassed it myself. Right. You're like, Oh, I'll just plug it in and get more time. So my husband has the passcode. And so when I'm locked out, I'm locked out. And like, I can go to him on certain days to be like, Hey, I still need to finish this up or I'm doing this for work. But for the most part, it's kind of like, Hey, I don't have that passcode. And that's just an indicator to me of like, time's up. You're done. Yeah. And it's funny if you go on a social media fast, if you're listening to this, I highly recommend just trying to take like, just try it for a day and then two days and then three days and just go on a fast from it. But when you delete the apps off your phone and you start counting how many times you picked up your phone to look at that certain app, Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like I do it every week. Cause I do a Sabbath every week and yeah. I, I get rid of Instagram. I mean, I just log out, Yeah, but the amount of times that I actually click in and then realize I'm not logged in and I'm like, man, you know, and I, I know you have the little verified check on Instagram. Um, a lot of people like chase that they're chasing that verification from Instagram, which is super funny. But for you as a person that had the app and then was like allotted to have that, can you help me explain to people that that's not going to change your life? Like it may get you some brand deals and stuff, but that's not a love letter at all. That's a verification from somebody you'll never meet. Um, It doesn't change your life. I just want to get that point across. Oh, yeah, no, it it absolutely doesn't that the Twitter mark, whatever it is. And it is it is funny to me. I do have to remind myself of that because like people will be like, oh, my gosh, like you have the blue check or whatever. And I don't to me, that's not the point of social media. And to me, I think if I have followers like that is just a like a bigger mantle that I have to carry that God has entrusted to me and that these Mm are they're people at the end of the day. I don't even like to say followers like I they're my friends or like my readers, like people that like, I want to serve and show up for at the same time. I think we need to make this distinction of like, these are not your 2am people. 
these people are not going to show up for you in the middle of the night when you need somebody like you need to establish relationships off of the screen. And then you have to realize too, that you cannot live your life for tens of thousands of people. Like it, the more followers you get, the more of a headache it becomes to be honest. But if you can just show up with the mindset of like, I'm here to serve, not to be seen, it will change everything about how you operate on social media. Yes. And there's one more thing I want to talk to you about before I let you go. And when you buy this book, it comes with a contract. What contract is that? That is the promise me you'll fail contract. Explain this. (laughs) So I created this for an intern of mine a few years ago because I had been in the shoes of an intern and I had had a lot of interns like under my belt when I worked in the nonprofit space. And so I knew it was already daunting to have to fill out all of that paperwork. Um, And so I wanted... I just remember myself being terrified that I was going to fail, that I was going to mess up, that I wasn't going to measure up and hit the bar. And I wanted my intern to know that like, hey, like failure is not the be all end all. Like it's okay if you fail. It's actually like welcomed if you fail. Um, And that there is just there's so much to learn through the process of failure. You grow and you develop in that space. And so looking back and realizing like God taught me so much through failure. Why would I try so hard to avoid it at all costs? Now that doesn't mean like run head first into everything that you can fail at, but like when you fail, take that time to reflect and look back and realize like, okay, I am growing. I'm becoming a different person because of this. This doesn't discount me. This is just more resilience for the path ahead. I love that so much. And for everybody listening, if you had one challenge that you could leave them with, with this episode, what would it be? That's a good question. And we didn't go over this, guys. It's just No, we didn't. (laughs) Honestly, if I could give anybody a challenge today, this would be, this would be it. So I think it's tempting to go about your entire day, right? Thinking about the things that you can do for yourself and the things that are on your to-do list. And so today I just want to challenge you out of the blue to reach out to a friend of yours that maybe you haven't talked to in a little while. It could be a month. It could be two months. Somebody who's not going to expect to hear from you today. And I just want you to encourage them or call out something great in them that, they're probably not going to get a text like this today. And so it's going to matter that you send it. Um, But I think that you will feel a little bit better. They're absolutely going to feel better. Just knowing that like somebody sees them today. I think the most valuable thing we can do within our days is make somebody feel seen and loved and noticed. And so that would be the challenge. I love that so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Fighting Forward by Hannah Brencher is out today. You can go get it on Amazon, everywhere you get books, and also on Audible, where I will be listening as well. So, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm just so honored, and I just feel so refreshed leaving this conversation. So thank you for having it with me. Thank you for having me. Definitely, and we will talk to you guys next week.
Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.